am a huge believer that our aging patterns are influenced not only by biological and physiological factors, but also by primary food. Primary food, put in simple words, are all the areas of our life that actually make it worth living. It's our careers, our hobbies, our home environment, the way we express ourselves, and of course, our relationships. Our relationships with our friends, our families, ourselves, and of course, the romantic ones. Because overreaching is not a problem, but it is a sign that something is going wrong in your life, that maybe there is a misbalance or something happening that does not relate to your goals or your beliefs or values. And from personal experience and from my experience of working with more than 50 clients, I can tell you that our romantic relationships influence our eating patterns a lot, particularly in two instances. First of all, many of us are single, including myself. And sometimes when we do not have a romantic partner, we might feel lonely. And sometimes it creates a sense of a hole inside of us that we might try to fill in with food. Or maybe we feel anxious about our dating life, which is very hard to navigate in the modern world, and we will try to compensate those feelings again with food. Or sometimes, you know, when we are in a relationship, we might not feel loved or cared about or appreciated or heard, or maybe this relationship might simply not be working for us. And all of these are difficult emotions that are difficult to deal with. And sometimes it is way easier to eat a piece of cake than to actually understand the reason for our emotions and address them. Because addressing them means taking actions, and taking actions might be scary and hard. And that is why I'm so happy that today we're joined by a famous dating coach, Haley Quinn, whose TED Talk got more than 3 million views on YouTube. Because she knows everything about love, dating life, and how to build successful, effective relationships that actually work, and not only with our romantic partners, but also with ourselves. Hi, I'm Marina. I'm a health coach and this is The Why Matters, where I share with you my findings about well-being concerns which many of us face, such as overeating, stress, insomnia, gut problems, emotional burnout, lack of energy, you name it. Well, most of us can name it and are trying to fight it. In other words, we know what we're facing and are looking for how to fix it. But we are completely neglecting the why. Why we got here in the first place is the most crucial question we have to ask ourselves to find an effective way out which we all want and rightfully deserve. Your why truly matters, and that is why we're here. Can we please explore a little bit the topic of being single versus being lonely? Because I don't think that you are lonely if you are single. What do you feel about it? Yeah, I agree. I think singleness is funny in our society. Um, singleness is often seen as something lesser or not as valuable as being in a relationship. So that might be, that's even in how we language things, right? With England we, or the UK, we call people a miss or a missus. So you get to change your pronouns depending on your relationship status. So it's an area of our lives that people often feel a huge amount of judgment in, that they may have, that if they're not conforming to a certain timeline of achieving things, they can again feel that really impacts their self-worth. And relationships are great. And when you're in a healthy, happy relationship, it's awesome. 
However, as my grandmother once said, it's much better to be left on the shelf than locked in the wrong cupboard. So I love your grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) I think she was definitely of that generation that was like, you know what, just not getting married for a while is a good thing. And I really see as a dating coach, there's so much merit in that stage of our lives where we have much more unlimited resources to focus on our personal development, to figure things out about ourselves. It can be this incredible journey of self-exploration. But to get there, we kind of have to throw off the shackles of this narrative that's almost that starts in maybe even in the 1990s when we're thinking about Bridget Jones and this idea that being single is, you know, you're awkward, you're rejected. So I think changing that narrative is where that starts. So it's, and sometimes that's also when you encounter perhaps single shaming, people saying, oh, so have you met anyone you like yet? And all those awkward questions, feeling really comfortable to give an affirmative answer around that. And all of this is, of course, so much easier when you feel that you're single from a space of choice and that you have abundance within your dating life. And actually that just being single right now is the right choice for you, either because that's the lifestyle you want to leave or because you have high standards for who you want to have as partner in your life. So getting out of scarcity and into that place of self-worth. That's interesting that you've mentioned uh, Bridget Jones, because I think that even like in terms of emotional eating, I reference this movie very often. There's one scene that I like a lot where she is covered in a blanket and she says that I have, I'm in a relationship with two guys at the same time, Ben and Jerry. Right, exactly. <laughs> and she counts, right, when she, how many mince pies she eats at Christmas. Exactly. When she feel, and again, it's a direct reaction to her feeling scrutiny about being single that then suddenly she starts racking up wine and treat food. Yeah, especially because, you know, again, in this movie, and like you said, like, there's this whole stigma. It's like, when you're invited to a wedding, you are sitting at a separate table. Or there are certain dinner parties that you can't go to because you don't have a couple, and ever, and it's like a couple's dinner or something. And this movie definitely portrays that in a very good space. So, um, basically, what you are saying is that in order to not feel lonely when you are single is to approach it from a place of abundance and see it as your own choice. Right. So get to choice. So it's partly narrative, but it's also having action steps that you can take. So if you feel like you're waiting for your prince to come, sometimes that can be all princess. Sometimes that you might feel a bit disempowering, right? Because as it's down to chance or fate. So I think people often and it might be similar in the work you do, people often feel more comfortable and more in control of that area of their life where they're like, okay, I recognize I'd like to have a partner. These are the action steps I'm taking towards achieving that. But equally, I'm not going to feel in a rush or like I'm on this massive deadline or that I'm somehow missing out. I'm going to find a way to enjoy the stage, this process and this stage that I'm in. I love that. I'm currently in this stage and I think that's the way I am approaching it. And um, I think that actually, like, you know, when you're single, it's also a great, like, moment to kind of grow and learn and develop. Because, you know, very often when we think about the person we want to be with, like, we have all of, all of these qualities, but you have to also sometimes work on yourself to be the person that can be with your dream person, because you have to have something to give. And I think that's the way to basically approach 
dating is like not from a place of scarcity that, you know, I need someone to fill this hole in my life, but rather from a place of abundance that I have so much to give and I just want to meet someone who I can give the love to and care about. And I think it's like you said, it's all about changing the narrative. Let's say someone is not seeing being single as a choice, but rather as a you know, the way events happened. And how do you change the narrative? Um, So to start with, it's really good to get in control and know what your inner critic is telling you. So whether it's, it's too late, for the good ones have gone, nobody wants someone like me, those really nasty, critical inner voices that we all have, just start making that, and it sounds crazy but make a note of them write them down because if you carry a note of them suddenly you'll start to be able to catch yourself and you go oh hang on a minute this isn't this isn't actually what's happening that's that inner voice coming back again and it's in it's and I'm entering into that cycle of feeling perhaps despair or anxiety around this area of my life so we want to try and like cauterize that so we don't allow that inner critic voice to become our dominant narrative around things then I said, you want to create a, maybe a mantra that's reassuring to yourself. So it could be, hey, yes, I'd love to meet someone. I'm taking steps to do that, but it's important for me to choose the right partner. So I'm going to take my time doing it. You could even use a really cool phrase that I like, which is up until now, and which gives you a, an opportunity to own up the past and be sincere about it, whilst also creating the possibility for something different to happen in your future. So up until now, I haven't chosen the best partners for me and I've had some disappointing romantic relationships. Right now I'm working on, and this is where you list all the stuff you're working on, and then you can just say, you don't have to say, I know I'm going to meet the love of my life because that might not feel true to you, but you can say, I'm open to that happening for me. I'm open to being positively surprised. So you just start to create mental headspace where it could happen Then the other thing I am so keen on, because I love teaching particularly women in a really practical way, is it's like, come on, we crack it and we take practical action steps in every other area of the life. We can definitely do the same in dating. So if you are facing obstruction, you're not meeting the people you want, there are other ways you can go about it. Dating apps, for instance, work great for some people. There's been lots of happy relationships out of them. Some people have a very difficult relationship with dating apps. In fact, they may use them just like someone uses comfort food as that thing that they like open up and start scrolling through when they're in the worst possible headspace. If that's you, be like, okay, I'm either going to stop myself from using dating apps when I'm bored, lonely, frustrated, or in this really negative headspace. I'm instead going to create 15 minutes a day where I feel calm and relaxed. I'm going to engage then. Or, you know what, I don't want to use dating apps, but instead I'm going to put effort into meeting people in real life and I'm going to appreciate that takes time. How can I save, whether it's two evenings or an afternoon a week, where I can go out to places or engage with it socially in a way where I'm actually open to meeting new people? So there's not one way you can improve your dating life. And it's really also about choosing how to invest in your dating life in a way that feels good for you. So it's like the process should start to feel somewhat enjoyable and less like going on a job interview. 
I absolutely love how you have the actionable approach to it and how you are very practical about it. Because just like you said, we do take actionable steps in all other areas of our life, including, you know, eating or our health. So why can't we take actionable steps in this area? And this phrase, up until now, I'm going to remember that. And this is what I'm going to keep telling myself and to all of my girlfriends. I think it's going to definitely become our new mantra in our girlfriend group. So thank you for sharing that with me. Let's say I've decided that, okay, I'm ready to meet a romantic partner. I did the work. I'm taking the courage to put myself out there. Um, but sometimes, you know, in the modern world, it might be very difficult to navigate in this dating scene. And this gives you a lot of anxiety and a lot of uncertainty. And all of these emotions do lead to emotional overrating as well. That's when we turn, you know, to a piece of cake or pasta just in search of comfort, just because, you know, there are so many definitions of the way people define relationships between themselves, like various dating, various scene, various situationships, various exclusivity, various a relationship. So how do you recommend to approach the anxiety and uncertainty that might be caused by this complicated dating world? Totally. Okay. A couple of really pieces of advice that I think are really important. First of all, I think it's really important to accept you are in the unknown. So don't try and solve the unsolvable. And by that, when you're going into that cycle of what do they want for me? What kind of relationship can they have? Do they want commitment? Do they like me? When you're in speculation, that often drives anxiety. It drives stalking them on social media. It will drive you mad trying to get to the end result. When actually, when you relate to someone, it's, a, it's an unfolding process. Sometimes you need to allow time to come to a clear decision. No one is, um, well, I don't think that was, that was really psychic. So because of that, you can't expect yourself to know the outcome of a relationship before you've got to know someone. So if instead, the better way to approach this is just to think, I'm currently, I'm in the unknown. I don't know whether this is going to be one day or the rest of my life. Who knows? I don't know. So I'm going to stop trying to find solutions to things I can't find solutions to. And within this knowledge that I'm in the unknown, I'm instead going to shift my focus and think, how much do I actually feel comfortable giving here? Bearing in mind, I don't know what the outcome would be. And that might mean if you think, well, actually, the outcome might just be this one date, that might mean that you meet somewhere close to your home, that you keep the date a bit shorter, that you do a phone call before you go on that date, that if someone's perhaps pushing some boundaries to move things more quickly than you would like to, that you feel more comfortable actually taking a step back and taking your time getting to know someone. So it's about appreciating you in the unknown. The second thing that's really valuable to do is to understand that the other person doesn't set the tone or the definitions or the parameters of the relationship. So we don't always have to be waiting on them to communicate to us what's happening. Instead, it can be really powerful to state our preferences around that. And that doesn't mean you know, you sit down on a date and go, well, so would you like to be my boyfriend? <laughs> Instead, you think, You'd be open to just be like, yeah, of course. If, you know, right now, if I met someone I had a great connection with, yeah, I'd love to have a relationship, but it, I have to establish whether I have that connection first. So take ownership of the outcome you want. You can even take ownership of, you know, I like to take things slowly because it's really important for me to figure out who I'm connecting with and investing my time in. 
So own up to that and then create a dating process where you are just very, very gradually getting to know someone if that's the outcome you want. If you just want to have a great time, then perhaps that's not your process you have to follow. <laughs> if you want to have a great time, you just, you know, you just go for it and you, yeah, yeah, you enjoy and yourself. Enjoy yourself as long as you're genuinely comfortable with that. And it's not like, oh, I'm living in the moment and then the next day I'm going to fit cry and feel sad that I, that I didn't have the same connection as I did with my ex. So I think as long as you're fully on board with something, it's okay. Probably the same as your relationship with food. If you're like, you know what? I'm just, I feel like having a piece of cake today and I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to like, I'm going to like the taste of it versus reacting out of a space of emotional need to do something. Exactly. That's a great reference because, you know, I'm all down for someone, including me, having a cake when you genuinely want a taste of cake, when you're eating this cake for the purpose of enjoying it, of enjoying the taste and all these spectrums that it can give you and not from the emotional need. And now that you've said it, it's exactly the same way of figuring out what you want in a relationship. If you genuinely want just a great time, then of course, have that piece of cake. <laughs> but be honest with yourself that like, you want this cake just for the taste of it and all the spectrum it could give you. And you're not trying to fool yourself in this case. Because especially I think that for women, you know, sometimes we try to play it down a little bit and we try to act a little bit more cooler than we are in a real in, in a reality and i think that that's when you get hurt and that's when you turn to that bowl of pasta because your inner expectations were not met yeah and it could be that bowl of pasta or it could be whatsapping that guy <laughs> that you absolutely know that you shouldn't and you're right i think it's really good as well to challenge that narrative of being the cool girl which is like, you know what, I'm like totally fine with everything. I am detached from my emotions. I'm in control of my life. Yeah, you may feel like that sometimes, but I think most of us feel a lot of vulnerability, particularly in the romantic area of our lives. And it, again, it's okay to express some of that emotion and to connect to that because that's also your intuition, your inner voice, and it's really powerful for you to honor that as well. And um, I think like what you said, like your intuition and your inner voice. And I think it's incredible to be completely honest with yourself about how you are feeling and how do you want this con to continue? Because when you're honest with yourself and you're honest with other people, and that's when I think great things actually come along because like you have this energy. And um, let's say, I, for instance, I meet a great guy. We go on a couple of dates and I really like him. And you know this, I really like him there's a lot of emotions around it, right? It's like feeling of happiness, it's feelings of excitement. How to navigate these emotions without getting overly excited? Right, because it's quite addictive. It is addictive. So how do you approach it? If let's say, okay, I was single, I did my work, I put myself out there, I found someone I really like. Okay, this is scary. How do I not become too excited? Or do I? Okay, there's one really great word for this, which is maybe. I've met someone I really like. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. So what I'd, again, what I'd encourage you to do is if it's in the early stages of dating, I'm talking like, oh, like the first 10 dates, you know, you've, you've known them less than a few months, just ground yourself back to, I don't actually know this person that well yet, because it, it takes a really, really long time to get to know someone properly. So 
You can be excited about your first impressions of someone, but sometimes those first impressions don't align with how they show up for you in reality, especially over an extended period of time. We all know that on first dates or the early stages of dating, we can present our best selves and perhaps it will take a while for that honeymoon period to end and for you to really get to know the real person or not the real person. That doesn't also have to be all disappointing. As much as sometimes people can let you down or not meet your expectations, other times people can actually exceed your expectations. So it's not always a, uh, it's not always a negative or a downward slant that's going to happen to relationships. But what's important is you stop yourself from getting too caught up in those expectations and accepting those as reality. So it's like, oh, I feel excited about this person. I feel like we potentially have lots in common or I feel maybe that there's a connection there. So we just start, instead of it's like, we have a great connection or they totally see me or, you know, we're, we've just got so much chemistry. I just would shift it into maybe, feel, potentially. So we identify those as feelings and reactions as possibilities rather than as grounded facts. And that, again, can help you just to keep a little bit more grounded to, again, bring yourself back to, okay, I've only maybe spent 10 hours with this person. If this was my, if this was a friend, they wouldn't be my best friend by now. We'd have to have spent longer getting to know one another and really building that tangible real world relationship. So just bring yourself back to grounded reality whilst, all al- whilst also allowing yourself again possibility for excitement and things to grow. I really like this friend reference because friendship would take definitely easier and we understand that to figure out if someone is actually our friend we need time uh, we need to see them in different situations and maybe if you approach dating in the same way it will really help you to keep the possibility for excitement open but not getting overly excited and uh, also I really liked what you're saying because it seems like very often we're too much concentrated on figuring out oh do they like me and this creates anxiety while at the same time like you said we have to be actually observing if we like them like if our needs are met like if they match our standards it goes both ways it's not only them making a choice it's also us making this choice and this really helps and my next question is that very often i know from my clients is one particular emotion that they're trying to distract themselves from or maybe comfort themselves with food, uh, whether it's Ben and Jerry ice cream or pasta or pizza or anything else is rejection. So let's say we're at an early dating stage and I'm figuring out that I like someone, but it turns out that they don't like me back. How do you deal with this rejection? Because, you know, if you're at a later stage, you might understand the reasoning behind it more. But in the beginning, you feel like the person didn't even get to know you. Okay, well, that's there's a powerful thing there. They didn't really get to know you. So if they haven't really got to know you, have they really rejected you? Or have they reacted to their first impression of you? So again, it's about recognizing, and sometimes that can be really infuriating because you could feel this need to show like, hang on, I just, I didn't get a chance to show them like how fun or how yeah. awesome and <laughs> incredible and sexy I am. But I would say like, when you go into showing, it's like back away from that because you actually don't really need to prove anything to anyone and instead go, okay, we didn't get to 
complete that, that story. And they didn't get to understand those things about me. And you know what? Because they didn't understand you in a profound and deep sense, their reaction to you is much more likely to be based in stuff that's been going on for them and who they are. And that you, if in the, in the looking at their whole life, your interaction with them is like literally a drop in the ocean of who they've been this whole time. So we don't know whether they find intimacy really scary. There's something about you that reminded them of an ex. There's some external factors in their life that are creating stress and pressure and making it hard for them to choose a relationship. Like, again, we don't know. We can't know. But we just have to look and go, well, actually, my interaction with them, I stand by that. Like, I we, we had a fun date. I communicated myself clearly. If they're not ready at this point in their life to move forward in the way that I want, that's likely to be something to do with how they're interacting with dating rather than a personal rejection of me because they didn't even get to know me that well. And then another good mindset to take around rejection are when you feel ready to do so. And obviously when you feel rejection, it is okay. I think a couple of days or a couple of weeks feeling not so good. But when you're ready to process things, you can also think, okay, what can I learn from this experience? And a lot of the time when I'm working with people, it can be things like, oh, I actually feel like I didn't advocate for myself. I, I knew that they were not really fully respecting me or weren't giving me the time that I would have liked or weren't treating me the way I would like. And I kind of overgazed because I would have wanted to make that interaction work. So next time, I'm going to be more aware and I'm going to remember to advocate for myself properly. Another final great mindset to have around rejection it's to remember your big goal here. The big goal is assuming you want to find a partner. You want to find a partner who's really well aligned with you, who's really able to make you happy, supported, and give you the relationship you want. So that big goal, they're still completely open to you. Nothing about this interaction affects that big goal. If anything, if you figure out that someone isn't compatible with you or isn't able to give you those things that you want, if you can let go of that interaction, it just speeds up your process towards meeting someone new who potentially can give you those things. So I know that situationships can be particularly difficult with this because that it wasn't a real relationship. There's no clear conclusion. As you said, they haven't really got to know you. So you feel like shortchanged in the whole interaction. But it's about, again, coming from abundance, understanding that having these not quite interactions is part of the process towards meeting someone. And if they've shown you through their actions that they're not able to give you what you need, then in fact, you can take that feedback and information. You can go, I actually really trust in myself. I really like myself. I know how to meet people. And you can go out there and keep meeting more people. And again, have a bit of trust and faith that someone who is better aligned with you will come along and it will click. That really does resonate with me a lot because, you know, in order for one opportunity to come along, the other opportunity has to kind of go away. And since you brought up situationships, maybe the whole purpose of you being in one was to figure out that you actually don't want to be in one anymore. And then next time when you're going to meet someone great, you're already going to keep that in mind and be like, hey, I've tried that. It doesn't work for me. So if this is where we're headed, just I'm sorry, but I'm 
I'm, I'm, I'm a no-go in this case. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you can find someone great for that, but I'm actually searching for someone else. But that would be such an attractive thing to say to someone oh, as yeah, well, you know. Sure. <laughs> so I think also you're really holding your own reality. You know, actually, you advocating for your own beliefs and what you want is more important than maintaining this kind of 50-50 version of a relationship that they're able to offer you. And that shows so much self-esteem and is super attractive. So let's say we're getting out of the unknown a little bit. Uh, we have been dating for a little while now, but let's say I still have anxiety just because I don't know where it's headed. So do you have any, let's say, signs that it's headed in the right direction and signs that it's headed not in the right direction? I can say yes, Bath. I think again, when probably if you're thinking about signs, you're looking out for signs and you're in a space of anxiety that could actually be exacerbating your anxiety. So I think, again, the clarity will come in, first of all, being really honest with yourself about what you want and then having some communication around that. So removing it out of a space of uncertainty. Sometimes, um, though, I do understand in dating and relationships, whilst we might have an ideal about having really honest and open and direct communication at all times, that isn't usually achievable in the really early stages of dating. That's something perhaps we have, have able to have when we have a really developed relationship with someone. Again, perhaps if you, um, you've been on like four dates with someone and then you call them up needing to have this really honest chat that might feel out of kilter with how well you know them. So in that case, it's a decision of, first of all, you can always figure out what your own clarity is, what you want and need in the situation. If you give yourself the mental headspace to do so, if you are in a more developed relationship, like you are clear, you're in a committed relationship, then you've got to try and communicate instead of looking for signs. Um, if someone is unable to meet that communication or evade <laughs> talking about it, um, that's not a good sign. <laughs> and if, you, uh, if it's not appropriate for you or you don't feel it's appropriate at this stage to have that level of conversation, then you have to go to a space of unfolding, which is where you have to observe what's going on. And the best workaround I can suggest for that, particularly with women and dating, is to understand that when you're observing, you're not not doing anything. It will feel frustrating because you're kind of sitting on your hands and you're not perhaps, you feel like you want to get to a resolution and get to action. And sometimes actually by not intervening and by watching and seeing how somebody shows up for you, you're still doing something in that process and you're just allowing times and as that process of you in that watching observant state you can also observe internally that you feel anxiety and again the second you're able to say look this isn't actually about whether they like me or whether they're attracted to me or whether they want to be my boyfriend or girlfriend this is actually about me experiencing anxiety and this is anxiety meddling with this area of my life if you're able to pinpoint it for what it is again it takes a lot of power out of it to drive you to do those checking mechanisms where were they last online what do they post on social media who do they follow all of these things which are just you grasping for information that you just don't have at this moment in time so honest communication if you can but also understanding it might not always be the right time to have that kind of level of dialogue if so you might have to take a back seat but taking a back seat can actually still be doing something and witnessing and seeing how somebody's showing up for you. So let's say, okay, I was single, I did the work, I put myself out there, I went on a couple of dates, 
I met someone great. We decided that we want to be in a relationship. I'm in love. I'm happy. And actually, usually, this is the stage where, surprisingly, according to research and to my personal observations around my clients, is this is the stage where it's easiest for people to reach their optimal weight just because you know you're so full of good emotions and like you're so full of love you are literally so full that food you know is just there to give you energy and that's when it's easiest to navigate it that's like a terrific stage and it feels amazing and it's great but let's say sometimes when relationships develop you know problems of course arise like not a single relationship is perfect we are not perfect our partners are perfect and hence the relationship can't be perfect. Uh, but very often people turn to food because they find it easier to kind of comfort themselves with food than to communicate with their partner. Maybe because they feel that they're not hurt what they're trying to. Or maybe because they are afraid to kind of seem needy or clingy or scare with someone wonderful away. So do you have any tips on how to communicate with your partner in case like you're a little bit unhappy with their relationship or there are some concerns that you are having? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, it's, it's not needy. It's okay to have emotional needs. That's just normal. So yes, and the fact that you are eating instead of talking to your partner actually clarifies that you have your emotional needs. You are just not meeting them. Right. So again, ditch the word needy, and remember, it's not about scaring someone off. That's also a really unhelpful dating narrative. It's like if this person is going to be someone you're going to have a significant or long-lasting relationship with, then a key compatibility point for that is they have to be able to communicate with you and they should be able to support you provided we go about it in roughly the right way. Alongside your partner, you also have a wide support network. So remember, not all of our needs have to be met through our partner. So sometimes you may also want to use, you know, your best friend or a parent or somebody else you really, really trust as your sounding board. So that's a good first step. Then when it comes to your partner, sometimes I think we can feel like someone's not really engaging with us, but because perhaps they have a slightly different way of wanting to have show connection. So your partner might enjoy doing something with you and that might feel great for them. Or they may be like arranging for you to have a massage or help you unpack your shopping and that them expressing their connection to the relationship. Whilst you would like to talk about it and that's your way of expressing it. If you find yourself in this dynamic, Again, this might sound absolutely bananas, but I find a really helpful thing to do here is to call what I call a town meeting. I actually do this with my husband. Yes. My husband is a is an epic monotasker in that he does one thing at a time. He conforms to a really ma- a typical male stereotype where if you're trying to talk to him and he's helping look after our children or fixing the dishwasher, <laughs> there's no way he's going to react in the way that I would like in that sorry, scenario. So find a time where you can say, instead of just of springing it on someone say like hey like i'd really like to have a chat about a few things is there a time that we could figure out to do that maybe we go for a walk on the weekend or we have dinner together so you you don't try and jump in at an everyday life scenario and just instead carve out some time where you're not distracted where you can actually really focus on one another then start another really basic skill here is to use again i statement to talk about how you feel so Instead of trying to guess or state how they might feel, you seem, you seem distant, you don't appreciate me, and making these kind of large, judgmental and actually quite combative statements, 
it's often better to just say, this is how I feel, or I've noticed. I've noticed recently that there hasn't been any time for you to see me over the weekends. That's made me feel kind of a bit marginalized, actually, that I'm not as important to you in your life. And I would, and then this is what I'd like to happen. You know, I'd like, even if we don't manage to connect every weekend, I'd like to feel like we can spend some of our weekends together. So again, there's nothing needy about that. In fact, it can be really confident as a way to communicate and say, the next thing you have to do is you have to pause and you have to listen and you have to be radically open to hearing whatever they have to say and really hearing it. If someone is saying, I just don't think, you know, you're too good for me or I just don't think I can match your needs or I'm just, you know, I've just got too much on right now, then that's, that's, that's where they're at. So don't try and shift or translate or fix or solve or overextend yourself in order to somehow make that work. Again, what happens there is to come to acceptance, which is, okay, I hear that you don't feel that you're able to make this work right now. And, you know, I accept that. And sometimes, actually, if you can not overextend, if you can accept, if you could take a step back, which is really, really, really hard, particularly if you already feel like you've crossed some kind of imaginary finish line and now you're having to roll back from that and start to say to your friends as well, actually. Um, But as you said, all couples have some conflict or some, or it's common that couples are slightly mismatched in terms of they ultimately want to head in the same direction, but perhaps one person is going a little bit faster than the other one. So don't see these challenges as this is it. Actually, this is necessary. This is a filter. This is how you're working out if you have that compatibility to move forwards to the next stage. So create the space, call, I could say, call the town meeting, have a time to express your feelings, express them as your feelings, not telling somebody else how they feel about situations, and then be really prepared to listen and to accept whatever they say back. That's beautiful. And uh, like you said, like if it's like the right person, then communicating about it should only bring you closer. And I think one of the last questions that I have for you is that we've all been in difficult relationships. And I think that majority of us, including myself, and I know yourself because I've listened to your beautiful, inspiring TED talk, we've all been in so-called unhealthy relationships at some point in our life. But how would you differentiate between, let's say, just an imperfect relationship, which has its problems and which has its struggles, sometimes more, sometimes less, and actually an unhealthy relationship that for sure is not working for you? I wrote an article about this. Thanks so much for watching my TED Talk as well, um, which is called You're Addicted to the High and Not the Guy. So sometimes we get a kit out of relationships. And just like food, just like alcohol, just like drugs, sometimes our parameters for that can be set to a kind of unhealthy bandwidth. And that's definitely how I experienced things. It's like I wasn't content with the normal pace of a relationship, unless it was super exciting and wild and out there and challenging me. I just was bored or I would have just not engaged with it. So it's noticing actually on some level, this is one of my favorite quotes, if you're doing it on some level, you're, you're getting something out of it. Even if that feeling doesn't translate as comfort or joy, it could be actually, I'm in this addictive cycle of 
I'm getting the excitement and the energy and the rush of when things are good. And then I feel despair and I feel empty. I feel lonely. I feel abandoned when things aren't good. And I'm in this constant scramble to make things work. I think noticing how cyclical things are and also that things never get better. They, in fact, get worse. The honeymoon period shortens. The highs and lows get more extreme. That, to me, is a hallmark of that toxic relationship cycle. It might also very well be related to other behaviors in your life. Are you missing out on important meetings at work uh, because you're so overwhelmed with emotion or you've had another argument with them? Are you drinking or abusing drugs because you are really or overeating? Or, you know, using food in a really unhealthy way because the level of feeling you have is so unmanageable that you're having to find this like other outlet for it. So again, you'll start to notice ripple effects in other areas of your life. Whilst a healthy relationship, it's the opposite. It gives you so much. Yes, you might argue over things here and there, but generally you feel so grounded, you feel secure, you feel so supported that actually your headspace is totally clear to focus on all the other stuff that you want to do. You're not in this constant state of confusion or anxiety. You could just, you feel calm. And perhaps also because of that, the beginning of the relationship may not feel like you get that rush or that high from it. It may feel more comfortable. So I would just say to people, good things to look out for in your early dates. Is communication with them easy? Does it flow naturally? Do you feel comfortable when you're messaging them. You're not entering into that, oh, is it the right thing to say? Should I put one kiss or two? Um, can, I, can you have fun with them? Do you trust them? Do, you, do they get on with your friends? Like, are they being open, inviting you into their lives? Like, these are really good questions for you to think about in those early stages of dating. And just like I said earlier in this podcast, remember, yes, if you've been on that roller coaster, you are well aware that people can let you down and not meet your expectations. Now it's time to do things the opposite way and actually start with more neutral expectation, but with the possibility that over time someone's going to positively surprise you. That's wonderful. And I really like how you say that it's a ripple effect. Uh, ripple effect. It's almost like a domino that one thing leads to another thing falling down and so it continues. And then you can see your entire life falling down. And that is for sure a sign that it is not working. And just to conclude our cycle where we went from being single, doing the work, putting yourself out there, meeting someone great, being in love, entering a relationship, then maybe figuring out it is not working for us and leaving the relationship. How do you heal a broken heart? I know it's a complicated question, but you know, again, like very often people turn to food when their heart is broken, but honestly, no amount of pasta or ice cream or anything else will make you feel full if your heart is broken and if you feel just this emptiness and loneliness on the inside. Okay, if you're suffering from heartbreak, as we've all been there before, the, the best advice I can give on that is to recognize that, yes, you today feels heartbroken about the situation but for the years or months or weeks that you knew someone. However, you can literally grow out of heartbreak because the person you're going to be tomorrow or next month or next year isn't going to be the same person you are today. We all evolve over time. And as we evolve, things that were 
really important to us or partners that we felt were the only ones for us, they change and evolve as well. So it takes time, but focus on anything that gives you green shoots in your life. So new, focus on the new. It could be as simple as like, and then sounds again a little crazy, rearrange your room, turn out your wardrobe, pick up a new business project, take up a new hobby, spend time with new friends, nourish this growth in this area of your life. Because as time goes on, you will, and again, feel confident in that mindset. You can say, yes, this is really heartbreaking. This is really important to me today, today, not forever. You And just remember that somewhere down the line, there's a you in the future that's looking back on how you feel today and just being like, wow, you know, I feel so- sorry for myself that I was there, but that doesn't represent who I am now. And I'm really happy that that change happened. So you're moving in that direction. And uh, I think another thing that genuinely helps me is just tuning in into this feeling of gratefulness. Even if someone hurts you a lot or anything, like there should have been some positive moments and there should have been some things that you learned about yourself. And there should have been some things that you learned maybe about what is not working for you. And even if you learned in this experience what is not working for you, this is some, still something to be grateful for because you've had this lesson and now you're even more ready to meet someone who can actually give you what you want and what you deserve. And I have just one last question to you. If you could go back in time and give one piece of advice to your younger self or just a comforting, you know, sentence or a motivating one when you were heartbroken, when you were feeling down, what would that be? Don't forget to have fun. Um, <laughs> which is, I always spent a lot of my earlier life, like particularly in my 20s, just really preoccupied with wanting to have a relationship and really preoccupied with romance. And actually, if I could go back, I would spend so much less time on dodgy men (laughs) and instead refocusing that energy on all of these other areas of your life that you can get reward and enjoyment from and not being in such a rush to get to an end destination. And you know what the irony is now that I'm very much a married mum of two ensconced in like my domestic life, I actually look back on my bachelorette years and I'm like, oh, wow, that was great, wasn't it? (laughs) I know I could just get up when I wanted and I had so much time to do, you know, to look after myself. And I just went out and drank rosé wine all the time with my friends. It was amazing. So it's funny, I had this rose-tinted version of singleness in my head (laughs) over the other side. And that's only because that anxiety of, will I meet someone has now dissipated. So again, it goes back to trust, trust that you're going to meet somebody amazing for you, trust that you are worthwhile, trust that there's going to be people out there who are good people, who are going to be aligned with you. Take the right action steps, give it time, and you will absolutely get to the end result that you want. And if you can get there whilst also enjoying yourself, all the better. And I think this piece of advice brings us a little bit to one of the questions that we discussed earlier on is how to not feel lonely when you're single. It's like you said, like, 
you have so many possibilities where to put this energy into your career, your friends, your hobbies, traveling. And if you just put your energy into all of these areas of your life and it's just not focused on this one, then you will never feel lonely because you will be full of emotions, you will be full of experiences, you will be full of people. And this is a place of abundance where you want to meet someone and where you trust it. Well, thank you for today's conversation. It was so wonderful to talk to you about all of these things and you know it's quite interesting because usually when I do this podcast I'm like kind of like in the front seat and like I know everything about the topic you know I'm very good in nutrition and everything but this conversation has been very personal to me and it helped even me a lot so I'm sure that to whoever it is listening to it will also be a good uplifting and motivational boost Thank you so much for sharing your stories and your knowledge and experience. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.